alongside Sean. And we've got a wild week of college basketball. Uh, and I think it all starts with Jay Wright, who decided to retire uh, just yesterday. Um, kind of big news out of that, but uh, busy week in uh, college basketball circles. Uh, certainly a lot to talk about, so we'll, we'll dive into that. Yeah, I mean, I guess like opening thoughts on the Jay Wright situation, I guess that's probably the first thing we have to talk about because of how big of news it is. I think he's unquestionably a top 10 coach in college basketball. Maybe not unquestionably. I I, I would say unquestionably a top 10 coach in college basketball history. I mean, I I haven't gone into like the lists or anything like that. Like Two national titles at Villanova. Like he didn't do that at like Kentucky. He did that at Villanova. He made Villanova – uh, the best program in college basketball over the last decade. Yeah. Like he, what he's done like the past uh, decade has been nothing short. Fantastic. And I'll, like, there was a point like 10 years ago where Jay Wright was kind of even like a little bit, not even thought about it more as like, you know, the handsome guy, he had that final four, but for what he did to kind of reshape the program I think starting in 2014, they were either one or two seed next couple of years, had a couple early exits, and then obviously goes out, Jenkins at the buzzer, win the first national championship, and then just an all-time great team in 2018 to win the national mm-hmm. championship. So uh, two national Maybe the best team. Maybe the best team in college basketball history. It's got to be up there. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to kind of say. It's like – I would say probably the best modern day college basketball team. Yeah. I mean, the North Carolina team with Handbrough's senior year has to be up there. I, I will die on this hill forever. Gonzaga 2020, 2021 is up there. I, I don't care if they didn't win the title. You can put Baylor up there too. That's fine. I, I think that's fair too. Gonzaga has to be up there because that team was ridiculous. But uh, let, let me pull up. What was that? 16, 17? No. 17, 18. Okay. Let's see. Jalen Brunson. Not bad. Not bad. Good place to start. National player of the year. Mikal Bridges. Final three for defensive player of the year this year. Not bad. Dante DiVincenzo, who is not doing great for my beloved Sacramento Kings, but he was great that year. Uh, Eric Paschal. He wasn't a first round pick, but he was good. Omari Spellman, good. Phil yeah. Booth, he was a good, he was a really good college player. Yeah. And then they had this guy, uh, Colin Gillespie. He wasn't bad either off the bench in a limited role. Here are the coaches with multiple national championships. John I looked Wooden, at this, I looked at this recently, actually. John Wooden with 10. Mm-hmm. Coach K with five. Adolph mm-hmm. Rook with four. I, I would say, like, that's probably the Mount Rushmore of college coaches, like those three, and then I don't know who else you would kind of put out. But uh, coaches with three include Roy Williams, Jim Calhoun, Bob Knight, uh, and then head coaches with two, Dan Crum of Louisville, Billy Donovan, Henry Iba, Ed Juker of Cincinnati, Branch McCracken, what a name. Uh, Dean Smith, Phil Wupert mm. of San Francisco, Jay Wright, Rick Pitino, Bill Self. Mm. So technically, like it's technically two, but like with an asterisk for Pitino, right? Yes. 
I'll count it. I'll count it. But, I mean, you look at some of those names. Roy Williams, great coach. He won, what, one at Kansas, one at Carolina? No, all three two, at he has three. You never, three. Oh, you never won one with Kansas? No. Jeez. That's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, Dean Smith did it at Carolina. Obviously, he was kind of like he built Carolina, but, you know, yeah. so his I would weigh a little more. But, like, Cal only has one. That's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, John Calipari has one, almost two, almost two uh, Memphis fans. You might want to mute this portion of the podcast, but uh, Mario Chalmers ended that dream. Yeah, I mean, he also had like a 38 and one team. True. But again, that I'll, yeah. I'll say this, that goes to show how hard it is to win a national championship that John Calipari has won and Bill Self had won up until two weeks ago. Like, yeah. It's not easy to win it. It is not. Yeah. Like, you, you think of the amount of good teams those two have kind of put together that they only look have at the combined. Pros. Yeah, look at yeah. the pros John Calipari has had. Like, we could spend a whole hour podcast just talking about the guys he's had at Kentucky alone. Like, not even to mem- mention Memphis, like D. Rose, Tyreek Evans. Like, that. That uh, they had, they had some dudes throughout the years. No question. Yeah. I mean, from Villanova, who would you say is, like, of the kind of Jay Wright players, who would you say is kind of, like, the lasting player you think of? Like, that's kind of an interesting Man. question. I, I think see, this is probably Kyle Lowry, but. See, that was, know. like, a little bit, like, what, what was his, uh, like, I remember Kyle Lowry, like, early NBA career, like, yeah, see, like, 05-06 was his last year. Like, I wasn't really watching college basketball yet. I was, like, yeah. four. So, I don't remember Kyle Lowry in college. I remember him with, like, the Grizzlies and the Rockets a little bit before he was good. Like, really good. But I don't remember him in college. For me, it's probably a little bit recency bias, but, like, the less people always come to mind. Yeah. But I think Brunson's the answer, probably. Yeah, like, J- Jalen Brunson, I guess. I mean, two national. In terms of what they did in college, yeah. In terms of yeah. what they did in college, I think it has to be Brunson. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. Now that I think it might stand out a little bit more, but yeah, I mean, he he's had like a lot of really good players throughout his career that you can kind of like have this debate. Like Jalen Brunson is probably the answer, but like Mikhail Bridges is like a lasting Villanova guy. Gillespie, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Kyle Lowry way before that. Um, Josh Hart. Josh Hart. I mean, you you could probably just pick any one of those players from those couple Villanova teams. Archie Diakno, well, Jenkins. I, I'll ask you this. So, I I actually kind of – it's crazy to look at it. So, how many players were on both Villanova title teams of recent years? Like, which – who was on both teams? The 16 and the 18 – and the 18 team. I think Brunson was the only starter from the 16 team. Bridges? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bridges played 20 minutes a game off the bench. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And Booth. There's one more. Oh, wait. Phil Booth? Yeah, I miss, I miss Booth. There's, there's one more after Booth. Uh, let's see. Pascal and DiVincenzo, I think, were red shirts that year, I want to say. See, Pascal did redshirt, so I didn't count him, I guess, but he does count. Uh, but DiVincenzo, I guess, technically didn't redshirt. He played nine games. Oh. So I don't know I if think. he got, like, I don't know if he's a medical redshirt or he just didn't really play. 
but he, he technically it says he didn't redshirt. So oh. Dante DiVincenzo averaged one point seven points per game for Villanova in twenty sixteen, and then he won uh, Final Four Most Outstanding Player in twenty eighteen. Eighteen. I mean, he what do you have like thirty against Michigan? It was that was like such a weird game because like Michigan never really felt like they had a shot, yet Villanova also felt like they were playing terribly. He had 31 points. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. He didn't even start. Yeah. It it was like a weird championship game because I remember, like, Bridges and Brunson, like, were kind of like the two people you're thinking, oh, well, one of these guys will win. Most outstanding player. Neither guy played really that well in the game. Mm -mm. And then Brunson was terrible for his standards. Yeah. And then David Chinzo just comes off, oh, I'm going to score 30. And we're going to win this game. Like that, that team in the NCAA tournament just beat beat the doors off everyone. One of the all time mm-hmm. great teams. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, for Villanova now, uh, I mean, the future is going to be kind of interesting. We we look ahead to uh, this upcoming season, and it's going to be you know kind of an interesting spot. You've got. Uh, could be that I think the interesting thing is Justin Moore, whether he is able to be healthy if he does return. Uh, you've got Eric Denson, Antoine, but I think Jay Wright leaves this program in a really good spot. You know, a top, you know, five. I mean, the top program in the sport the past decade, and uh, you mentioned that. But uh, yeah, I mean, a really good program. But it's going to be interesting to see if. You know, this is a Villanova program because, you know, we've seen a lot of coaches have elite level uh, head coaches. And then the program, once the next guy takes over, doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. go as well. It'll be interesting. I think both with this, with uh, North Carolina Duke, kind of both those coaches leaving as well. How will the programs uh, continue? And I think it more so to speak to, uh Villanova might be a little more difficult yeah I tweeted this yesterday like obviously Shire's done a great job recruiting like he's done like a historically good job recruiting right now with the class they have coming in this year and the next couple of years and Hubert Davis obviously did a great job last year but you could be North Carolina and Duke and you can recruit just like players will go there because it's Duke and North Carolina yeah obviously those guys can recruit but part of it is the brand there's no question but Villanova is different. Like, they could get a five-star guy, and they might not play much their freshman year. Like, that's kind of what – it's a culture thing. It's a program that Jay Wright has built. So, I think it's so different for Kyle Neptune. And I think he will do a good job, but I, I can't compare it to Duke or North Carolina. I just think it's so different. But I think it's almost more of, like, a, a comparison to, like, Florida with Billy Donovan. Like, because he built that program into winning national titles – for the most part, and Mike White never won a title, but he won some tournament games. He did a pretty solid job. He just didn't win national titles like Billy Donovan did. So if Kyle Neptune wins 20-plus games most years and goes to the tournament wins a couple games, I think he's doing a good job. I don't think he has to win national titles, but there's going to be lofty expectations because of what Jay Wright built, and I think it could – I think – I don't know. It's tough to say that, hey, it'll definitely take a turn downwards, but – 
you're losing a guy that just won two national titles. Like I, I think yeah. Kyle Neptune's a really good coach and did a great job at Fordham this year, but it it won't be easy to live up to what Jay Wright did. And I don't think he has to though. That's the thing. Like, yeah, it, he's one of the best coaches ever. Like I think those are unfair expectations to put on a guy that's coached been a head coach for one season. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so hard for uh, the, this kind of like a, what Villanova kind of has had for a long time is, you know, a lot of three, four year guys. And I mean, this kind of goes maybe into kind of the future of the sport. Like you can't, it's harder these days to build those type of uh, recruiting because most people, they, they're, you know, I think a lot of players these days want to come in and maybe Kyle Neptune will, have it in a situation where he's going to bring in more Villanova guys. I mean, that is what Villanova has done. He's going to bring in, you know, Villanova type of players and, you know, three, four year type of guys who are okay staying on the bench the first two seasons. Cause they know by year three, by year four, they're going to be developed into being an mm-hmm. NBA player, but it, with the transfer portal, I mean, you're always kind of one player deciding to leave or something like that from, uh, having those plans messed up. So I, I do think it's harder for a program like Villanova than it is for Duke in North Carolina. Cause at the end of the day, like a bunch of recruits are, you know, they're Duke in North Carolina kind of recruit themselves. Villanova recruits Villanova players. Mm-hmm. That, that is a good point. You mentioned the transfer portal though, cause that's not something that Jay Wright did a lot of like, yeah, what the two transfers you think about? I it, there might only be two, like Caleb Daniels and Eric Pascal and uh, Joe Cremo. So those are the only three <laughs> I can think of, and uh, two were significantly better than the other. But yeah. like you look at what Kyle Neptune did at Fordham, let's just run through it. Uh, Abdu Simbila transfer from Penn State. They had DJ Gordon briefly transfer from Penn State. Uh, let's see who else did they have. Cameron Cunningham transfer from. Mississippi Valley State, Darius Quisenberry, transfer from Youngstown State, Entrell Charlton, a transfer from a JUCO, uh, Antonio Day, he's not with Fordham anymore either, but he was a transfer from Florida International. Like, those are a lot of tran- – th- those are more transfers than Jay Wright probably ever added at Villanova. So I think one thing is – this is just kind of my guess. I think we'll see more of – more transfers coming into Villanova. And I think that's a good thing in a sense, because you, you, you really have to, with the roster they have, like, I think everybody still had Villanova top 25 because Jay Wright's there, but on paper, that's not a top 25 team. If Justin Moore is not healthy. Yeah. I I don't even know if it's top 40, like that roster is not that good. So I think, I think that Kyle Neptune will be more of a transfer portal guy than Jay Wright was, and we'll see how that works. I think it could definitely work, and I think it almost is better that you are going to attack the transfer portal, but Jay Wright didn't have to. And I'm not saying Kyle Neptune has to, but I think just about every school in the country can benefit from the transfer portal. Yeah, it it can also – it's like one of those double-edged swords. Like, you can use it to your benefit, and, I mean, you look at the teams in the Final Four. I mean, Caleb Daniels from Villanova, we discussed him, but – I mean, Kansas used Remy Martin, got him in there. He played a good role. North Carolina used uh, Bray Mack pretty effectively. Duke, I mean, they were kind of young and freshman laden, but they still had Theo John, who kind of played a big role for them throughout the season. So I think mm-hmm. each team 
you know, whether you kind of build through a kind of core of younger players, uh, which I, I think Villanova will try to you do is build a, a lot of three and four year guys and then pick up like a transfer portal edition where you you see where they could actually kind of benefit your roster. But that that's kind of where I see maybe where Neptune kind of goes in the future. Like have your kind of Villanova guys and then pick up, you know, a you need a good four man who can shoot, pick up a good four man who can shoot. Like that's, mm-hmm. I think, the, kind of the modern day, how Kyle Neptune can get this program continuing to execute at a high level. Transfer portal, like we said, a big thing. Kentucky knows that just about as well as anybody because they added Oscar Shibway a couple of years ago. And Oscar Shibway, the national player of the year in 2021-2022, is returning for a senior season in Lexington. But what do you think about this? I mean, it's obviously massive to get that guy back. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing is with Oscar Sheboy back, your front line is now stabilized. And mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see about the Kentucky guards. Uh, I mean, we can, uh, yeah. I mean, Oscar Sheboy though, just a fantastic player. I mean, you look at him, he's going to, well, I think he does so well is he just hounds, you know, going after the ball. He plays with 130%. And that's something you can't really teach. Like you, you can teach, you know, how to, you know, shoot from 15 feet. You can teach how to, uh, you know, post up and make this certain post move. You can't teach effort and energy. And that's what Oscar mm-hmm. Shibway, I think, did so well. And that's part of why he won uh national player of the year is because you know he was kind of like that hustle guy who was you know terrific inside and good score and even when they lost early I mean he, he still put up a terrific game so he's a fantastic player and it is perfect for college basketball that he is returning uh, and it is kind of a situation where he's going to take advantage of being in college and make some money on the side because um, name image likeness he can sell merch he can you know get uh booster revenue like all of that uh and uh it's good for college basketball that he is back yeah i think that kind of speaks to the impact name image likeness has on college basketball it's something that frankly college sports in general could have used a long time ago but we have it now and we're and we're seeing the benefits of it and that really shows with getting the national player of the year back. But you look at this Kentucky roster, Severe Wheeler, I'm assuming he's back. You get a steady point guard. He, he actually shot the ball relatively well last year. Like, if I had to ask you to guess what Severe Wheeler shot from three last year, what would you guess? Um, Given you said that, I'll go 31%. 30%. Like, that's not terrible. Like, it's not good, but it's better than 22% from the prior year. Like, if you leave him open, he can hit one now. Like, I, I yeah. think we're kind of at that point. Like, if you leave him open enough, he can make it. Average seven assists a game. He's a good defender. He's just a steady player. Uh, I think you want a little more shooting from your point guard, but he does everything really well besides shooting. So he's a good player to have. He's really quick. If he can get if he can get inside and attract a lot of attention from defenders, he can really pass it. He's good in the pick and roll game. He does everything well when it comes to making plays and defending. And you had uh, Kaysen Wallace, one of the best defenders in the 2022 class. And then you have CJ Frederick, who I think is a real wild card here because he is maybe the best shooter in college basketball when he's healthy. He's just been injured so often in his career. 
He redshirted as a true freshman at Iowa, and then he redshirted last year. He didn't play at all last year, so he's redshirted twice, I guess. And his two seasons he's played, he missed time both years, but he shot 46% from three in those two years. Like, he is just a lights-out shooter. Yeah, what a terrific shooter. And I think that – I kind of like the makeup of this roster. Like, you have a severe Wheeler at the point. You have – uh, Chris Livingston, who will kind of play some minutes at the four, like he's really athletic. You have Frederick, who can shoot the lights out. You have Kassan Wallace. Uh, you might have Keon Brooks. I don't know where he's testing where the he's waters. I, I would guess he's back. Same with Toppin. Like Toppin's testing. I would yeah. guess they're both back, but yeah, they're I mean, kind I, of similar guys. I mean, Brooks is a better offensive player, but he's more of a mid range guy. We saw that against North Carolina. I think he had like 30. Toppin's just a great defender and great athlete, but isn't like there on the offensive end. Like he can, he can dunk and get some offensive rebounds, but he doesn't really have an, uh, a polished offensive game. Yeah. This seems like missing. I'd say maybe like a shooting guard from, I think they're missing another point guard. Like, I think when you have a guy like severe Wheeler is not a shooter, I think it's always good to have another point guard who can shoot the basketball. Yeah. I, I think I, mean, that's something I, I like that know. Wheeler Washington fit. Yeah, but Ty Ty's not there now. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that Kentucky will be good. I'm not sure I'm ready to say like they're the team to beat in the sport next season. Although I'm not sure I'm ready to say any team is the team to beat. I, I think next year we can get into this a little bit later. I don't Houston. Think there's Houston. I mean, Houston, you can put as like number one. You can put. If they get Kendrick Davis. I'm not sure the last, like, Kendrick Davis and Marcus Sasser would be the best guard duo in the country easily. Like, and it might be one of the best in, like, the last decade. Like, getting those two guys on the same team? Yeah. I mean, if Kendrick Davis returned or goes to Houston, that that would dramatically change things. But uh, I think he's going to Memphis. Bold prediction. We'll see. I, I have no idea. It's what, Memphis, Texas, Houston. TCU, Kansas. Did I say Texas? It's Texas Tech. He he oh, cut yeah. Texas out. Uh, I sorry, wrote it Texas. down earlier. Yeah, sorry, sorry, uh, Texas. You got Timmy Allen back, so yeah. Uh, uh, I wrote it. Right. I literally wrote it down earlier. Okay, Memphis, Kansas, Texas Tech, TCU, Houston. Yeah, I think I've seen that he's going to probably go to. Memphis, but I mean, if he goes to Houston, that'd be terrific. Uh, let's see. I don't, I don't know who would be a great fit here. I mean, for Davis, no, for Kentucky to get in the transfer portal. I mean, when you look, I'll just pull up my transfer list. I guess. Uh, right now, like, um. And Ni- Nigel have, Pack might be yeah. Guy. Nigel Pack would Nigel Pack would be perfect. Yeah, actually, but like other guards, like Courtney Ramey, not a true point, but he's solid. Yeah, he's a good um, defender. Yeah, good defender and can shoot it. Like I Grant would not, Sherfield, I would not like a Tyrese Hunter fit. Yeah, because he's not a shooter. Yeah, like if you can get him, that's good. But he's not a shooter. So. Like, I think Sherfield, but I don't, I don't know if, like, you really want Sherfield playing off the ball half the time either. 
So I don't really think that would work. Honestly, Ramey might be the best fit. You, I think you could play like Sherfield in a like kind of a Remy Martin role, maybe like come off. Yeah, the bench I think that would work. I plug. think that would work. Yeah, yeah, I think that would work. But I think I think uh, Ramey might be the best fit. Yeah, that's probably like a good fit. Uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of good names in the transfer report. I mean, Amani Bates, just swing on that. I don't think he's actually on their final his final list, but. I don't think he's posted a finalist, has he? I think I think he posted like a twelve team list, which is significantly less than uh, FA Abagidi, who posted uh, like eighty five percent of the teams in college basketball. Yeah, uh, that's. Let, let's be real here. If your list is more than twelve teams, why even bother? No disrespect. Like there, there's, there's so many lists. Like it's, it's honestly like kind of hard to keep up with sometimes. Yeah. It, the, the transfer portal is like, it is terrific content throughout the off season, but is like extremely hard to keep up. Cause and the other thing too, is like, you have to like keep up with it and then keep keeping up with it. Like mm-hmm. you've got move here and like, there's some seismic shift and then oh, uh, some player else, X player is also in the portal and uh, from that same team, like it, it's kind of bouncing around, but uh, it's definitely, I think kind of fun to kind of keep up with. And uh, at least has brought some additional chatter to the sport. And uh, I think big thing that ends up put it, pushing it over the line is ironically Tyrese Hunter leaving Iowa state po- post the same year where Iowa state benefited from having basically all transfers and flip that into a sweet 16. You can't make this stuff up. It is pretty interesting. But uh, another interesting thing is that Kofi Coburn is done with college basketball. He is going pro entering the NBA draft and you can't see, this is the thing. Like there's no testing the waters this year with him because he's tested the waters twice. When you're on your third time, you're done. That's why he had to make an announcement now. And it wasn't a, I'm maintaining my eligibility. He's gone. He's not coming back. So He's gone. Dane Danger, the Baylor transfer. I think he has like a seven seven wingspan. He's a really big dude, uh, super strong. So he will get a big opportunity this season. Maybe they look to add somebody from the portal, whether that's uh, like a Kenneth Lofton or a Janai Broom or one of the many options in the portal. Maybe they add someone like that. But Illinois, they missed golden opportunities the last two years to really do something. Yeah. I mean, this team's still like – I think probably a tournament team going into next season, but I think so too, but it's like a clear kind of rebuild because you, you got Sky Clark. I mean, freshman point guards are inconsistent. Usually Mm -hmm. like there, there are a few superstars that are just like out of this world. Good. But like Jalen Suggs wasn't great. Yeah. Like even Jalen Suggs was like, probably an all-american level guard he was still inconsistent Cade cunningham might be like the outlier like he was just elite all season but that's not common yeah even like Cade took his time like figuring it out because like you watch early season Cade and the team's not really gelling and all that and then like by the end of the season they were i think they end up being a four seed they lost to oregon state yeah, that's tough. But uh, I mean, 
you look at even the best freshman point guards take a little while to kind of get it figured out. I it, it will be I would be surprised if Sky Clark comes in right right away and is like that type of elite level player. Like you're probably gonna have to play Luke Goody and RJ Melendez more uh more minutes, danger. I mean he's he's a good prospect, but we haven't really seen him play that much. So that'll be not at all. I he's yeah. played like what three games in college in like garbage time. Yeah. I do like yeah, Coleman literally Hawkins. three games. I do like Coleman Hawkins as a role player, but I, I think they need to get a couple more transfer portal guys. I think they do need to hit the portal. Like you said, we'll see with Sky Clark, a lot of inconsistency with freshman point guards. They need more than six points per game from Coleman Hawkins. I'll say that right now. If yeah. Coleman Hawkins doesn't average like 12, 11, 10, somewhere, somewhere in double digits, then I'm a little concerned. Because right now, Jacob Brandison is the team's returning leading scorer. And he's solid, or I don't even know if that, if if he's 100% returning. I, I don't know if that's a definitive thing because it's a COVID year. Yeah. Uh, but if Jacob Grandison is returning, then that uh, that's big. But the, if he's not your leading returning scorer, then it's Coleman Hawkins at six points per game. Yeah, that's, I mean, Coleman Hawkins, I think is a kind of good fourth best player on our roster I don't think he can be your second best player on our roster no like I definitely think there's some portal uh some portal stuff to do here yeah uh meanwhile UCLA they return Jaime Hawkes they did not return Johnny Juzang so uh get one of two out of that Juzang seems to make it you know noted that he's probably that his intention is to stay in the NBA draft. I mean, theoretically, he could come back, but mm-hmm. uh, probably not going to get drafted. Yeah, I think it, he kind of like wanted to come back and kind of be the big man on campus for maybe like a year, and uh, at that point, maybe was ready to start his pro career. Like, you, mm-hmm. I think there, there's benefits to coming back for like your junior year of college. Like, you you get closer to I guess earning a degree maybe you could earn a degree or something like that uh, and then certainly make a little bit extra money and maybe help your draft stock but seemed like he you know was kind of at the end of his college career but UCLA is still a solid team yeah like Juzing was good but he pretty much posted the exact same numbers he did as a sophomore he just didn't have the historic NCAA tournament like I don't ever I never really felt like he was that guy where he was going to win national player of the year at any point like I didn't think he was going to come out averaging 25 a game like I I think he just got really hot and he's a good player but I think he just got really hot at the right time and helped bring an 11 seed to the final four but I don't think he was ever a guy that was going to be a national player of the year candidate. He was a third team all American. And I think he could be like a potential first team all American. Maybe if he came back, maybe, but I don't think he's ever good. He was ever going to be a national player of the year candidate. Yeah. As someone who ranked him number two, just behind Drew Timmy, uh, I can say I was wrong on that ranking, but um, you, you move on and take your lumps. That was a lump I took on the player rankings, but Mm-hmm. And for Juzang, I mean, I think he's – we'll see what his pro career is. I think he'll make a lot of money playing professional basketball, whether it's the NBA, whether it's kind of overseas. But uh, he's a terrific scorer, but a tough loss for UCLA. But 
I mean, Hawkins is back and he might be, I mean, there's a good argument. He was their best player. Like he's an elite uh, level defender. He can also score. So getting him back is big yet. Yeah, you bring back Tiger Campbell, Amari Bailey coming in as a five-star freshman. Tiger Campbell's game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my question with Hawkins is, so he, again, posted a pretty similar season, worse in some aspects. Actually, maybe it's worse in general, just uh, efficiency-wise. He shot the ball a little more, but averaged 1.6 points per game more, but he shot he shot the ball 1.8 more times per game. He shot the ball significantly worse from three, 12% lower than he did as a sophomore, and 2% less than he did overall. So is he going to ever be that guy where he's an All-American or is he like just a really, really good Pac-12 player? I'm curious to see what it is, because if he can go and be an All-American, then I think UCLA is title contending good. But if he's what he was again, as he was the last two years, and I'm I'm not sure they're the, to that caliber I mean, at I the think, current moment. I think they could win a title like. I think they need an, probably another center, though, a Pac-12 title, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that, like, I don't know, like maybe Jules Bernard comes back. He uh, entered the draft while maintaining his eligibility. That becomes even bigger if Juzang's gone, because we've never seen Jules Bernard be like a guy that like you have to rely on. He's always been like an extra guy that you like to have. But there's never been a point where you're like, man, Jules Bernard, we need him to hit that shot. I think he might be their best player if he comes back because he's yeah. good. He's yeah, a legitimately like- good player best score like I think mm-hmm. the thing is like you you kind of trust that one through four like Tiger Campbell's a really solid point guard Jules Bernard is going to be good we'll see what Omari Bailey is but I think he'll be pretty good and then you have Hawkes like one through four they're good maybe you get Jalen like, Clark is really good too yeah maybe he's like your small ball center you get another center probably like a bigger body center a uh, Dem a uh, Dem uh Bana think he's a five-star recruit yeah I mean, maybe another one, just kind of insurance. Like, I I don't know if I can, if I'm willing to say, like, UCLA should be, like, considered for being the number one team in the sport. But I think there's, like, a clear route to them winning a title. Like, if, I mean, you look at last season, like, they were a missed box out and Caleb Love not going completely bonkers from, playing St. Peter's in the Elite Eight, and then, I mean, they probably beat St. Pierce. No disrespect. Hey, don't sleep on the Peacocks now. I I would expect them to go back to Final Four. Like, if that North Carolina game goes the other way, and, you know, maybe they beat Duke, maybe they don't. Like, I think it's maybe a little different discussion we're having about UCLA. But that's the tournament. Like, anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah, I would say they're – if Bernard is back, they're probably a top 10 team for me. Yeah. If Juzang yeah. and Bernard are back, I think they're top five. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Timmy Allen decided to return for another year. I didn't expect that one. I When he transferred to Texas, I figured it was one year and he was gone. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where he would necessarily go. Like, he's not a pro. Just prospect. get his pro career started. Like, I think with a lot of guys, that's kind of just what it is. Like, you graduated, kind of just time to get on with it, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, he decided to return for another year, uh, and that's good. Like, that Texas team, I think, could be underrated. Because, like, last year, there was just so much hype surrounding Texas. 
mm-hmm. that they like they were what were they six seed i want to say yeah they beat uh virginia tech and lost to purdue yeah i mean they, they weren't bad but definitely not like top five as they were thought preseason but, like this could be a year where they're outside the top 25 and just like Maybe they're the same exact team from last season, but I think they could be a little bit underrated. Yeah, and one thing to remember is that, like, Dylan DeSue is a really talented player, and he played 26 games, 10 minutes a game, three points, three rebounds. He clearly wasn't himself. He came back from an offseason surgery and just didn't have that same burst. He didn't shoot the ball well. It took him time to get acclimated, it seemed like, but he clearly wasn't himself. That that was That was evident because this is a guy that, Average 15 and nine. He led the SEC in rebounding in 2020, 2021. And given Vandy wasn't good, but you don't put those numbers up in the SEC unless you're a good player. He shot 50% from the field, 37% from three. This year, he made two three pointers all year. Like he didn't just magically become a bad shooter and someone that isn't very effective in general. A year where if he's able to be healthy all offseason and get a whole offseason, of getting to work out with Texas and do that kind of stuff. I think he could be an all-conference guy. Like, I think that's one thing to remember. Like, this is a good player who was on yeah. NBA radars, potentially, heading into this year. And the injury really held him back from being a good player this year. Yeah. Like, I think D'Souza a really good, maybe five-man. You have Timmy Allen. You have Dylan Mitchell as a kind of – Christian uh, Bishop. Yeah. Bishop? I, he's yeah. back. Oh, he's back. So He announced he was back, like – before the tournament even ended there we go so i mean christian bishop you've got uh jabari rice they just add him out of new mexico state that should be a good fit maybe he'll mm-hmm. play this two guard uh kind of putting the ball would probably be rowan brumbaugh as your kind of point guard but arterio yeah. morris arterio morris like but there's still still decisions to be made with uh marcus carr and andrew jones too yeah. Like neither of them have said what they're doing for next year and they both have eligibility left. So, yeah. If not, I mean, you could add a transfer portal piece as well. So mm-hmm. I don't think this Texas roster's uh, done making its moves. Like, I think there's, there's more to come for Texas. Yeah, and Trey Mitchell's gone. He trans he entered the portal the other day and uh, I, I, I was shocked. Gone. It took him that long to be honest. Yeah, I'm curious where he lands. He's an interesting one because I think he was a top 10, 15 transfer on most lists last year. He was he was probably top 10 for me because he was so good at UMass. Just never really found his stride with Texas. Yeah. Be interesting to see where he goes, but um, should, should we discuss kind of the portal as a whole? Because a lot of discussion this week. Um, and Tyrese Hunter was kind of a catapult of it. Like, he obviously announces he's transferring out of Iowa State. Uh, there becomes like a larger discussion. Well, what's the point of college basketball if this is going to be a feeder system or something like that is being discussed. Uh, the, tr- the thing is, it's all about kind of student athletes having the ability to make the decisions. Some decisions might be bad for them. Some decisions might be good, but I mean, what, what are your kind of thoughts on the discussion about it and uh, as a whole, the transfer portal? I think it's a good thing for college basketball. Like the one the one thing I'll say is the idea that it kills mid-major programs is just not true. I, I, that's very untrue. 
because you look at some of the most productive mid-major players, they came from the high major level via transfer. So although some will transfer up and it might work out, it might not, a lot of them have to come down too and they become superstars at the mid-major level. So that's really my only thought on it. Like I think it's a good thing. And I think the idea that it can kill mid-majors is just untrue. Yeah. And like the other thing too is like, I think right now it's kind of like a little bit, you see all the names in the transfer portal, uh, you know, but I do think like one thing to kind of watch is like how many players ultimately decide to go back to their original school. Like I saw like a statistic, like a certain amount of players that were entered in the portal uh, ended up going back to their school a good amount. So we'll see about that. Like maybe Tyrese Hunter or, someone like that goes back to an Iowa state or back to wherever they wanted or were originally from. Like, I, I just think like the portal, it's a kind of good way to see what's, what else is out there. But um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting discussion point we've seen as a whole. No question. And uh, I, I mean, does that lead us into our portal pickup of the week? Shall we get into that? Yeah. Portal pickup of the week. Our, our new favorite segment. Let's start with the mid-majors here because we, we've got a good segment. Or uh, I'll start here. Earl Timberlake, hang the Bryant. I mean, this is a terrific addition for Bryant because this mm-hmm. is a team uh, going to be really tough to beat this upcoming season. You add in uh, Earl Timberlake uh, to this already kind of good roster. Like Doug Eddard is already coming in. You've got Charles Pride, Chauncey Hawkins. Uh, Bryant is going to be you know, really good basketball team, really good mid-major team. And this is kind of an example of a team taking advantage of, you know, players that couldn't necessarily make it at high, high major schools and taking those type of players and giving them another shot. And I think as a result, Bryant's going to be one of the better teams in uh, mid-major basketball next season. No question. It'll be their first year in the America East, so they'll be up there with Vermont. Those two should have some fun battles, but Jared Grosso has done such a good job with the transfer portal. You mentioned Timberlake, you mentioned Edder, you mentioned Hawkins. Timberlake is on his third school, so as of now, he has to sit out barring a waiver. We'll see if he gets it, but if he does, he's going to be tough to stop just based on how athletic he is. He's a great defender. Uh, Maybe he even plays the point. I doubt it's Chauncey Hawkins there, but maybe at times plays some a little bit of point. I think he's more of a natural four man, maybe a, maybe a wing. He just can't really shoot the ball from outside. But I think overall he's a really good player, and I think he'll have a good career at Bryant, however long that lasts, whether it's one year and he goes pro or, or what we end up seeing. But you look at the other guys they've added, Kayvon Kramer, another really big-time athlete from Hofstra. Antoine Walker, another athletic guy who can shoot the basketball from Rhode Island. So Grosso's added a ton of athleticism, and they lost Hall Elijah as their best shot blocker. So they need some more bodies up front, and they added a lot of guys this offseason to replace him. They're a little more athletic this year than they were last year. They don't have that guy like Pete Kiss, but Charles Pride's a really good scorer in his own right, and he might be one of the top scorers in America next year. So the Bryant Bulldogs look to be really good next season. I'll say that for sure. But I'll go with my portal pickup of the week. I'm going to go with a guy that has scored 1,707 career points. He's on his third school. That is Sam Sessoms going to Coppin State. He started his career at Binghamton, averaged 17 a game, averaged 19 a game, transfers to Penn State. And he was a 
pretty good player in, at Penn State. Like 11 a game this year, eight per game his junior year. Shot 44% from the field this year, 42% from deep. He's a really good mid-range player. He's going to run the point for Toppin State. They have two of the best players in the MEAC with Sessoms and Nenda Tark, the brother of Anthony Tark, who's a really good player there for uh, Coppin State. I think those two will be really tough to stop in that conference. And Sam Sessoms might be one of the top scorers in America. Like, Coppin State always plays pretty fast. They shoot a lot of threes. They're just never really a good three-point shooting team despite taking a lot of them. I mean, you just look at some of their recent numbers, like 49% of their shots came from three this year. They shot 29% as a team. 30%, 28%, 28%, 30%, uh, 30%, 31%. Since uh, the Juan Dixon era started, their best percentage is 30%. So they add a guy that can shoot the ball from the mid-range and outside. He can fit their system because he plays fast, and he's just a reliable scorer, something they have not had a lot of. So I think getting Sam Sessoms in is an absolutely massive addition at this level. Yeah, absolutely, and he should come in. I think time be the star of the team. And you mentioned the shooting concerns Coppin State's had in the past. You get a guy who can shoot the basketball a little bit, those shooting numbers will gradually go up. And I think Coppin State could be, if not the team to be in the MEAC, one of the teams to be. Like, yeah, like yeah. you always have to put a little respect to uh, Norfolk State with what Robert Jones has been able to build. But Joe Bryant, uh, I believe, is gone. Chris Bankston. I haven't, I haven't seen if he uh, is using the COVID year or not, but if he's gone and Dana Tate's gone and Joe Bryant's gone, it could be a bit of a rebuilding job there at, at uh, Norfolk State. Probably going to hit the portal a little bit. But like South Carolina State looked to be on an upward trajectory, but uh, Tony Madlock took the Alabama State job after Mo Williams left and took the uh, – what, what job did Mo Williams take? Hold on. How am I blanking on this? He took Jackson State. That's what it was. So Mo Williams went from Alabama State to uh, Texas. Uh, Jackson State. I don't know if slight upgrade, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's an upgrade, yeah. Uh, just overall program. But like Howard, they could, they could be pretty solid again in the MEAC. They had a pretty good year. They are losing some pieces with Kyle Foster and Ty Bibbs, Randy Brumont. Uh, so those guys were all transfers except for Foster. But uh, get Elijah Hawkins back, who is one of the best freshman point guards in the country. Steve Settle, I think, is an NBA-level player. He's a six foot ten guard that can really shoot the basketball. Uh, you get Kobe Dixon and Jelani Williams in from the Ivy League level. I think they'll probably be right up there. NC Central, Lavelle Moten, they're always in the mix. But uh, Coppin State, it's hard to argue that they probably have the two best players in the conference. Yeah, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, going to the high major pickup of the week, I've got Darren Green Jr. heading to Florida State. I think a real good fit here. This is a Florida State team that kind of needed a little bit of shooting, needed some offensive creation, and you get that with Darren Green Jr. Uh, he's uh, at UCF, shot nearly 40% from three. Uh, good outside shooter can kind of take some of the offensive load a little bit uh, that I think was maybe a little bit too early placed upon, you know, Matthew Cleveland, who maybe wasn't ready. I think now mm-hmm. this upcoming season, you look at that team, Caleb Mills, Matthew Cleveland, uh, Darren Green Jr. at the guard spot. You've got Jalen Worley back for another season. Uh, you've got Butler, Fletcher as kind of big man. Like, 
I think this is a Florida State team might be slept on a little bit. I think they're going to be right back in uh, where Florida State tends to be. Like they'll be a single digit seed uh, and a tough out in the first couple of rounds of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no question. I like that addition. He's a big-time shooter. He had seven threes against Michigan, so he showed he can show up against big-time competition. My high major pickup of the week here, it is uh, Devin Carter, freshman or I guess now sophomore guard from South Carolina, big-time athlete. He has some really deep range. He isn't a consistent three-point shooter yet, but he's a really good defender, so he'll fit that well for Ed Cooley. He's a really solid athlete, like a really above-average athlete. I think he's an NBA-level guy brings that defense in. Providence needed to add some to the roster after losing the guys they did. Manaya, Horkler, uh, Durham, all out of eligibility. Nate Watson. So four of their five starters add eligibility. You have Jared Bynum to uh, join joined by Devin Carter. And I think that'll be a really solid guard duo for the Providence Friars. And it'll make them a contender in the Big East once again. Yeah. And then also, I mean, we can get out of the portal pickups of the week and just going to the transfer portal, they also added Noah Locke uh, and Clifton Moore. So, I mean, you look at this Providence team, I think coming in the offseason, I wasn't really a big fan of what was coming back. But I mean, what they've done, what Ed Cooley has kind of done, capitalizing on someone with him, you get Jared Biden mm-hmm. back, you have two really good high-level scores and Noah Locke, Devin Carter. I think scoring-wise in the backcourt will be good. Uh, you have Clifton Moore. Uh, Ed Croswell as a kind of front court. Uh, you've got some interesting kind of freshman pieces. We'll see uh, which one of them kind of hits. But I think it, you're looking at next season. Uh, Province may not the team to be in the Big East, but I think they'll be back in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think they'll definitely be back in the NCAA tournament. Like this is a legitimately pretty solid roster, and nobody thought they were going to be as good as they were last year. I think people are like maybe a borderline tournament team. I think they have higher expectations entering this year, and right, rightfully so, after what they were able to accomplish last year. Uh, Ed Cooley deserves a benefit of the doubt, and he was able to add some big-time pieces to the roster. Noah Locke's a great shooter. He didn't play well last year for Louisville, but nobody really played well for Louisville last year, so I kind of tossed that year out and look at the first three years of his career at what he did at Florida, and he was a great shooter at the SEC level. So I think he'll be a pretty good player. They add a little more athleticism in that in that front court with Clifton Moore. So I think that Providence will be back on track to be an NCAA tournament team and a single-digit seed again this season. All right, there we go. Uh, UNLV, they also added some really good pieces. Elijah Harkless coming over uh, from Oklahoma, just one of the best defenders in college basketball. Getting him in there is certainly big. They also add in Eli Parquet and Luis Rodriguez. This is UNLV team, you know, was sneaky, kind of under the radar, good mm-hmm. last season. This season, I think it, the expectation now is NCAA tournament. Yeah, and they might have some issues on the offensive end after losing Bryce Hamilton, but you look at Eli Parquet, you look at Elijah Harkless, and you look at Luis Rodriguez, you have three big-time defenders from the high major level. Parquet and Rodriguez really aren't scorers at all. Uh, Rodriguez has had solid offensive seasons. His junior year was pretty solid uh, in 2020, 2021. Struggled this year on the offensive end, but he's still a big-time athlete and a great defender, can guard any position on the floor. Parquet really doesn't bring much on the offensive end. He shot the ball pretty well uh, a couple years ago, 41% on around 50 attempts. But 
he didn't shoot the ball well this year, only 22%, six points per game. A really low usage offensive guy, but again, a great defender, Pac-12 all-defensive team two years ago. Harkless is the best offensive player of the bunch, and he's probably, if I had rating it on like how good the defenders are, I'd say he might be the best, but Rodriguez is up there too because he can do everything uh, when it comes to defense. But Harkless was the highest usage offensive guy, he averaged 10 a game. This year for Oklahoma, 32% from three. I think that plays. It's not great efficiency-wise, but I think it can play. And then you have Donovan Williams, if he ends up returning, he could be one of the best scorers in the Mountain West. So that's why partly I'm like, all right, I feel good about this UNLV team because you have a guy that averaged 13 a game on nine shots per game, shot 43% from deep and fifty or 48% from the field. If you bring that up a little bit to like 14, 15 shots per game, he's probably averaging like 17 a game. So that's pretty solid. I think you'll take that from Donovan Williams. If he uh, can average 17, 18 a game, Jackie Johnson coming in from Duquesne can shoot the basketball. So I think this defense can carry UNLV to a potential tournament bid. Yeah. I mean, there you add in like Harkless, Parkhead and uh, Rodriguez. I mean, that, that is going to be three really stout defenders. Uh, You're going to have the ability to kind of bring one or two of them off the bench if you really want to. Mm -hmm. I think defensively this team's going to be good and uh, offensively maybe some work to do, but I think they'll be more than fine. And uh, right there, I think one of the, I wouldn't say they're the team to be in the uh, Mountain West. I think they're still like Colorado State. Yeah, I think they're probably fourth. Yeah, Wyoming, but I think, yeah, you mentioned fourth. I think that's probably a good spot to put them. They landed four bids last year, so. Four bid Mountain West. Hopefully they win a game next year. That's, that's they will. They will. The, it'll be San Diego State. They they should have won one last year. San Diego State. Yeah, they should have, but they didn't. Unfortunately, hate to see it. Uh, moving on, Grand Canyon staying out west. Got in two two high level players, Rashawn Harrison and Noah Bauman. Uh, I know you're high on this Grand Canyon team. Are they the team to beat in the WAC? I would say so. I mean, getting a guy that averaged 17 two times at Presbyterian, eh, like, hey, it's it's Presbyterian. He wasn't really efficient this year, but you look at Adam Flagler at Baylor. He came from Presbyterian. Harrison isn't a great shooter. He's an okay shooter. Didn't shoot the ball well at all this year, but he's really good at getting to the foul line. He's good at creating shots. And I think he'll make a really good guard duo next to Javon Blackshear, who's probably the best uh, guard in the conference. And then you have Noah Bauman, who averaged 10 a game or eight, eight, eight or nine a game at uh, Georgia this year. Six foot six wing that can just light it up from outside on his fourth school, returns back home to Arizona. He should be a really good player for the Antelopes this season. My question for them, though, you don't have the big man duo that you had a couple of years ago with Alessandro Laver and Ashbourne Mitgard. Gabe McLaughlin's going to play the four. He's, he's good. He's a good stretch four. But they need more out of Ivan Udraogo, the transfer from Nebraska. Great rebounder, but didn't bring anything on the offensive end. They need more offense out of him, or they need to add somebody that can bring more offense in that front court because you got to be able to get the ball inside sometimes. And they were able to do that all the time with Mitgard. Uh, and he can create extra opportunities, go and get an offensive rebound and put it back up. Udraogo just doesn't really do that. So either develop his offensive game or add a big man. But I think that they are the best team in the in the conference because Mexico State, they've lost a lot. Like they lost like 90% of their minutes from last year. 
they just added Jordan Ivy Curry from UTSA. They just added uh, Dijuan Gordon from Missouri and Kansas State originally. So they've added some pieces, but Teddy Buckets is gone. I think California Baptist, though, might be the most underrated team in that league by far. Yeah, yeah. the the WAC has like become maybe one of the like best uh, conferences at the mid major level. Like I think it's it's slowly creeping up to like that SoCon level where you're, you're just like looking at every game and you're like, all right, we've got this good team versus this good team. And maybe it doesn't like lead to uh, this being a multi-bid league in the future. But Mm -hmm. I I think what the WAC has done in recent years to become the level, it seems to be heading down. I think the WAC is just a terrific college basketball conference. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give some shout-out here to uh, Stephen F. Austin, too, because they never have the most talented team, but Kyle Keller always has them competitive, and I love their guards with Jalen Jackson-Posey. You showed some promise as a freshman. Latrell Jossel, who was really solid to come over from Kansas. Then they had a few Juco guys like Danny Smith and Kyle Heyman, A.J. Kajust, and then they add two really solid transfers from the high major level, Robbie Armbrester from Houston, a former four-star recruit, I believe and uh, Montavious Murphy from Kansas State. So those are two dudes with athleticism that will really help on their defensive side of the floor where they put a lot of pressure on the opposing team and force a lot of turnovers. So I expect those two to be pretty highly impactful players. Yeah, they should should be good players and uh, help help Steve F. Austin, uh, which in turn helps the whack. So going to be mm-hmm. fun league to watch. Baylor added – Kind of some insurance at the four position. Uh, still not sure on Matthew Meyer's decision. Um, there's, I think that's kind of up in the air, but they kind of need some help at the four. Sohan, Kendall Brown, both seem like they're completely out of there. So they need some help at the four, and they get with Jalen Bridges, uh, kind of a stretch four. Not going to be an elite offensive player, but you don't really have to be when you have LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, and Keontae George. Uh, you had that with the, you know, five or the good positioning at the five with uh, Shamwa Chachua and Flo Thamba. Real good Baylor team. Yeah, hopefully JTT is ready to go at the start of the season. If not, hopefully he's ready to go at some point. Uh, but Flo Thamba is back using the extra year. Cryer, hopefully he's healthy. And you, you can't forget about Langston Love. He was a uh, top 60 recruit. Like, that's a guy who got hurt before the season started, but – he was a pretty highly touted guy, so I'm curious to see what he brings to the table. But Jalen Bridge is a guy that can really stretch the floor and shoot the basketball. I think he'll be a welcomed addition for this Baylor squad. And anytime Scott Drew has a squad with this much talent, they'll be in contention to win a Big 12 and a national title. Yeah, they'll, they'll be right there. I probably, at the moment, I mean, kind of a lot to evaluate with the rest of the Big 12. Like, I don't Number think one Kansas, for me, probably. Yeah, I think right now is... They're I mean, Candace's roster is like good, but a lot of questions here. Yeah. I think the big thing, if Brown and Wilson return, mm-hmm. maybe they're the yeah. team to beat, but I don't know. I, I don't know if Brown does. I think Wilson maybe, but I think Brown, uh, if he has like a, if he tests the waters and has a good combine, I think he could be a first round pick potentially. So we'll see. Yeah. I think they'll, He'll be one of those like critical decisions, but yeah, McCormick enter the draft. Yeah, seems like he's done. So, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Baylor could be a really good team. Probably a team to beat in the Big 12 next season. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, in terms of rest of the league, maybe their Texas Tech will be in contention if they get Kendrick Davis. Although, like, Big 12 could be severely impacted if Kendrick Davis goes to one of those schools. Like, if he goes to TCU, which would be hilarious, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Going that, back there. Yeah. Yeah. That would be – that might be – one of the teams to be like you Texas Tech. Don't that, sleep on Oklahoma State. Oh no. Big Twelve is gonna be loaded. Yeah. Bryce Thompson, I think, is in for a big year. Rondell Walker, I think, is just still just so much better than he's shown. You have Avery Anderson, who didn't really have the kind of season I think anybody expected. I feel like everybody thought it'd be a lot better. Ice likely if he comes back, that's big. And then you have uh Musa Cisse who was all he was a top ten recruit at one point. Like he's, he was, he still has so much talent. I don't know if he'll ever be great on the offensive end, but he's a great defender. So. Yeah. I think he was one of the like four people selected big 12 defensive player of the year. Yeah. Who else was it? Uh, Shamua Chachua, which I found mm-hmm. hilarious considering he missed. Like he played most of the year. Yeah. But he missed like the final eight, Big 12 games or something like that. And then uh, Kevin McCuller, I think. Maybe. think so. Osa Boyan, I think, was another one. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I probably would have given it to Chama Chachua if he is healthy, but tough to say. Yeah. I'd... Maybe Cissé. I don't know. Not a not a great thing when you can't decide who your defensive player of the year is. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Georgia, they they got in really good player Terry Roberts coming in. Uh, this is still a not great roster on paper, but hey, you gotta start somewhere. And Mike White starts getting Terry Roberts. I think this roster is a little underrated. Like, they're probably a few moves away from me being like, all right, I could see this team being a bubble team. You get Terry Roberts, you get Justin Hill, two really good point guards from, point guards from the mid-major level. Uh, and then you have Braylon Bridges coming back. You have Jabri Abdurrahim and Cario Quendo, who I think has sneaky All-American potential of Georgia's tournament good. But you still have P.J. Horn and Jalen Ingram. Like, this is a much better team than it was last year. I don't even know if it's close. Like, just on paper, I think Mike White's a much better coach than Tom Crean. Much, 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 much better coach than Tom Crean. And then uh, I think Cario Quendo will take a big step this year. Yeah, I mean, I think Georgia's at a point where I don't know if they're, like, out completely. I I think they're, like, still near the bottom of the SEC next season. I don't know. Let, let's look through it. Vandy is the worst team. Yeah, they're not very good. No, they're not. Uh, if Scotty Pippen Jr. is like 100% gone, then uh, it'll be a rough year for the Commodores. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So Kentucky's probably number one, right? Arkansas. Ar- Arkansas, Kentucky. Tennessee's going to be good. Pick. Yeah. Auburn. Uh, going to be good. LSU, they'll, they'll struggle. Yeah, they, they might be down there. Texas South and Carolina would be good. South Carolina is not looking stellar at the moment. No. Florida looks to be in good shape. The bottom two is South Carolina and Vandy. 
because South Carolina hasn't added anybody yet. Yeah, at least as of this moment. Mississippi State could be down there. Yeah. I mean, let's see who Chris Jans adds. They've added Deshaun Davis and Will McNair so far. Tolu Smith is still there, uh, but Garrison Brooks is gone. Iverson Molinar could still come back, but right now they have, what, two, three, four, five, six, eight scholarship players. So they have, have, they have options. I may have overrated to... the SEC. The bottom isn't stellar. Like Missouri, they'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean we could we could discuss on that. Like they've they've had some uh, really good pieces. Demoy Hodge, Nick Honor, kind of mm. that backcourt. So yeah, like Honor is solid. Uh, I think he's best in like just using him off the bench as a guy that can come in and make a couple shots. But like this team's more talented than it was last year. Still not a tournament team. I think Dennis Gates is a good coach, but they have four guys who were in the horizon league in the past, like Hodge is a legitimate high major guy. I'm not sure how Trey Gamillion's game translates to the high major level. I think he's a really good defender, but his offensive game, he's not a great offensive player. He's a small ball four, uh, who played the five occasionally, I guess, uh, probably I would say if my memory serves me correctly, rarely, but occasionally, but he's six foot four and isn't much of a shooter. So I don't know how his game's really going to end up at the high major level. Uh, DeAndre Golston is a guy that can shoot the basketball. He's a good scorer for sure. I think he'll be a double-digit scorer for Missouri. Noah Carter, good good scorer, not much of a defender. Mohamed Diara is a, might be the best Juco recruit out there. He can block shots. He's really athletic at six foot ten. can shoot the ball. I think he has the most talent on the team. And then Sean East, another Juco. He was a national player of the year in the Juco. Uh, ranks UMass Bradley is where he started and he's a guard that can score the basketball really well he can facilitate I think he's a really solid point guard for them and then you have Jaron Coleman and Amari Davis coming back don't think they're a tournament team maybe like a back-end NIT team but Dennis Gates knows how to get wins out of his team I'm just teams I'm just curious if that works right away at the SEC level I, I don't think it will right away but he'll figure it out over time yeah I mean I think the thing is like what he's done is kind of brought some like program excitement, which was kind of missing, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a tournament team, but at least right now they look like they're improving towards the future. So. Oh yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. That's, that's kind of all you can do uh, really when your program is kind of towards the bottom of your league, just get transfers and build excitement. So uh of that Minnesota who did not really build a whole lot of excitement last year they're building some they excitement. were better than anybody expected though let's let's be uh let's be honest though yeah but that that's also because we said they might be the worst uh d1 college basketball team like on paper that team won more like on paper that team should have been way worse than they were yeah but i mean now they've got nba level type of player like dawson garcia mm-hmm. Uh, didn't work at North Carolina, but he's still like he's six eleven and can shoot. I mean, what else can you want if he can take a kind of another step forward? He's going to be great. You have him alongside Jamison Battle. Uh, mm-hmm. You have Parker Fox. I think they need to add a few more pieces before I'm ready to say they're anything close to resembling an NCAA tournament team. But no, nowhere near it. Yeah, but 
At least they uh, have I'll talent. Say, yeah, they have more talent. Talon Cooper coming in, uh, do it all point guard for Moorhead State. I will say this, though. I, as much as I like Dawson Garcia and Jamison Battle as a four and five that can light it up from outside, oh boy, are they going to have some real issues defensively because neither of them are particularly good defenders. And if they're playing the four and the five, a Big Ten teams will be able to score on you all day long inside. Like they are going to have some real problems stopping anybody. Yeah, they're they're lucky Kofi Coburn decided to leave. I mean, Kofi might have like dropped sixty every time he played them. Like if yeah. like Dickinson's back, Dawson Garcia might have five fouls by the five minute mark of the first half. Like it's uh, gonna be tough. Their defense is going to be a real issue. Like, I, I can already say that now. Like, Isaiah Enan can defend, but uh, let's see let's see if he's healthy. Hopefully, he missed all this year. Parker Fox is a good shot blocker, but coming up from the D2 level. Uh, this defense, I'm really worried about it, though. That's going to be a problem. They they don't really have a whole lot of guard, good guard play, and a lot of their people are fours that I don't know how that's going to work floor spacing. I don't know. How I mean, I, I think the floor spacing will be fine because they can shoot the ball. Well, but, if you're playing four power forwards. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Like, I assume they'll add guards, though. Yeah. Like, like they have freshman guards. I don't really know anything about them, but we'll see what they end up being. But, you know, if you're rolling out Talon Cooper, Abdullah Theum, who was a Juco transfer uh, last year, then you put Isaiah Enan at the three, I guess. He's athletic enough to play it. Jamison Battle at the four and Garcia at the five. Not a good team. Uh, There's still work to do, no question. Maybe Braden Carrington uh, becomes like a Marcus Carr, something like that. That that would be something to get excited about. So, Yeah, I think they need some guard from the portal, a good wing shooter from the portal. I mean, they have a lot of spots open, though. I think, like, yeah, they. I mean, last they have year like they have like four scholarships left. So, yeah, you can fill out a good roster with that. Yeah, there's plenty of guards. You don't have to get Kendrick Davis. Um, they're not in the mix for him, but they can get like Grant Sherfield, maybe, or uh, Day Day Grant from Miami, Ohio. I think he could fit this team well. Yeah. You just need, like, a guy who can go score at the guard position. Yeah, because Talon Cooper is not really a scorer either, so that that's not a good thing. Yeah. But he's a good player, just not a scorer. Yeah. Uh, you know, <clears throat> Pittsburgh, they don't look half bad. Blake Kinson coming into uh, this roster. Uh, they've still got Hughley, Nellie Cummings, uh, Jamarius Burton. Maybe Pittsburgh, maybe the Jeff Capel era is not quite dead just yet mm. still don't see tournament in their future but no. they're more talented i guess but that's not really saying a whole lot yeah. i mean it. i don't even know if they're more talented because they lost femi Utakale, who's really solid he, he is a pretty good final five uh i mean yeah you do lose him i guess you don't really lose a whole lot else but Hinson hasn't played in two years. Nellie Cummings, he's solid, can shoot the basketball. You also, yeah, you also lose Ithiel Horton, 
I mean, they're going to have to get the ball to John Hughley a lot. Uh, they still need more guards, though. I don't think the amount of guards they have currently is really going to do it. Yeah. I mean, the kind of thing is, like, can they be better than last year? Although Probably. If, but, again, that's not saying much. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the thing. Like, if you're saying is we need to be better than last year, well, that's – you're terrible last year. Mm-hmm. So, although they, they did beat North Carolina. They hang, did, which hang is a just – Still don't know how that happened, but it did. So hang a banner, beat beat the team who lost in the national championship game. Mm-hmm. Iowa State, Iowa State, they're going to have to do some more portal work. But they did add Hassan Ward, one of the best defenders in the country overall, coming in from VCU. Great athlete, great shot blocker. Not much of an offensive player, but can be like a rim running big man. You do lose Tyrese Hunter, obviously. Uh, Isaiah Brockington's gone. It sounds like uh, Gabe Kalsher. It's, let's see if he comes back for the COVID year. Uh, Jazz Koontz, he's back. Trey King, they add from Eastern Kentucky. And Jeremiah Williams will play that point guard spot that Tyrese Hunter has now left. He will be the point guard, six foot five, solid facilitator, kind of do it all guy. They need a little more scoring here. They need more shooting. Uh, I think that's what they really, really need. But the, I, I think they could still be solid. Obviously, losing Hunter and Brockington is a big blow, but. T.J. Osselberger figured it out last year. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're an NCAA tournament-level roster, but can they be better than... Oh, Kansas? wow. Little little breaking news as we're podcasting. Did you see it? What is it? Naheem Aline, UConn. Oh, nice ad. Very very nice addition there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elite uh, shooter? Yeah. I'm... Gonna look at this UConn roster here while Tristan Newton, Nahi Maline, yeah, uh, Adama Sinogo. And that's that's some that's a good uh, guard. Part. Good top three, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll pull it up. They have a uh, Jalen Hawkins, no Jordan Hawkins, Jordan, Jordan Haw- Hawkins, yeah, as kind of a Andre Jackson. Yeah, he's. I, I do like this roster a little bit. Like you got I do too, a lean. He could kind of run. He's not really a point guard, but can maybe run a little mm. like some offense. Nah, New, Newton's your point guard on this roster. Yeah. Uh, but like you have Newton, you have a lean, you have Jordan Hawkins, uh, you have Jackson probably play the four. And then I love Sonogo inside. So they have eight scholarships filled. So they're not done either. Yeah. Or nine, I guess, counting a lean. So four more. Uh, just go ahead and get Kendrick Davis, and this team might be a title contending team. Yeah, I don't think they're in the mix considering he has released his top five. So you're saying they're not in his top five? They are not. No. If if UConn was in the American, they see this is why they should have stayed in the American because the only teams eligible to be in uh, Kendrick Davis's top five are American or big 12 teams. So if they would stay in the American, they, they might get Kendrick Davis. Mm-hmm. Probably not, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good addition though. UConn could be, I mean, Creighton's the team to beat in the big East. Could UConn finish second though? I think so. 
Yeah, Nova. I just can't put Nova up there without having Jay Wright and with the yeah. roster they have. Uh, but I would put Providence in that mix. I would put Xavier in that mix. I would, Creighton's number one. I feel like pretty consensus. But you can pick a number of teams to be that that second, third, and fourth team, fifth team kind of mix of teams there. Yeah, I think UConn might be my current updated pick to finish number two. Mm, okay. Um, too early to say though. Yeah. No, I I could get down with that. Uh, Xavier needs a point guard. I think that's really what's keeping them from being definitively number two. But I, I could I could get I could uh, get behind UConn being number two. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We've got uh, Brandon Johns going to VCU. Good solid pickup, I guess. Like he was second, in- second Michigan to VCU transfer this offseason. Yeah. Like I don't know if this team's like a. I mean, they might be a tournament team in the Atlantic Ten. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, you don't have Ace, Bald- as- Ace Baldwin, Zeb Jackson, Jaden Nunn. It's a good. That's good guards. Vince Williams entered the draft. We'll see if he ends up coming back. But you get Brandon Johns. That's solid. They need some Dalen- Jalen Deloach is going to have to take a step up. But they'll probably add some more guys there in that front court. But you did say St. Louis. They do lose Yuri Collins, but I still think they'll be good. Like this is still yeah. a really good team besides him. Yeah, I don't think. Like I think. Dayton's now like the clear team to beat in that league, but yeah, I, yeah. St. Louis have... needs a point guard. St. Louis needs a point guard, but they're, yeah. they're good besides that. Yeah, I mean, you look at this. I think you're going to end up seeing a couple more people uh, committing to some Atlantic Ten schools, but I VCU. I think is going to be right there. The A tens, like you can almost pencil it in for like three bits. Mm-hmm. Red, I think they only got two last year. So you can pencil in for two bids. All you got to do is finish second. That's all VCU needs to do. Then uh, Rob Fennessy, he is heading to Cincinnati. Uh, solid addition for uh, the Bearcats. I'm s- still not seeing this team being like a tournament level team, but they upgrade a little bit. They do upgrade a little bit. David Julius, Rob Fennessy. That's a solid, solid guard duo to have. Uh, you have Victor Lockin inside. He's he showed some promise last year. I, I think Cincinnati still has some moves to be made. I think Sean McNeil is visiting, so that'd be uh, interesting if he ends up committing. But he's visiting like five different schools, so we'll see what ends up going on there. But you have Mike Adams Woods. You have Jeremiah Davenport, John Newman. They added a uh, Kalua Zikpe from Tulsa. Odia Guama is still there. Sage Tolentino, a four-star recruit. Daniel Skillings, a four-star recruit. There's some talent there. You're going to have to rely on those freshmen a little bit, but there's some talent. I think I think West Miller will get it going. I don't know if they're a tournament team, but I, I trust West Miller to figure it out here. Yeah. I think you can pencil him for like a top four finish in the American next season. That's probably mm-hmm. like where I see this program being next season. And then uh, it's kind of about development from there, but. And you got to start from somewhere. I think uh, Cincinnati certainly in a decent spot hanging next season. Yeah, no question. I, I think I think it'll be a really, really. I think it'll be a program that gets back to what they were in yeah. the past. Yeah, my my thing is like I'm not sure if 
like Wes Miller can get to what McCronin had it when he was leaving. Like they were a two seed the final year of McCronin. Maybe not. Maybe mm, there was one more. No, seed. not his final year. Yeah. Second they were year, a seven seed. Well, no, no, his final year, there wasn't a tournament. Right? No. That was his first year. No. Okay. Uh, yeah, they were a seven seed and lost to Iowa. Yeah. Not great, but. I think it can get back to maybe being like a consistent tournament team going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they could get back to that. So it could be interesting to watch any last minute portal additions. No, not that it. I've seen. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's unfortunate. We want one more thing to break down. I'm sure right as we're done podcasting, there's going to be another one. So. Uh, and then another one. So we'll, we'll save those for next episode, but uh, any last thoughts though, before we sign off, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you haven't making the madness, YouTube channel over 500 subscribers. Thanks to everybody that subscribed, uh, review the podcast five stars. Uh, if you enjoyed that, that, that will wrap up for this episode of making the madness college basketball podcast. Make sure to hit the subscribe on the YouTube on, uh, uh, podcasts, wherever else you can find us. And uh, we'll be back, break it all down next week. So stay tuned.